So we're um, toward the end. So we've done the bells, um, which is from Michael Frost. Surprise the world, five habits of highly missional people. So B, we talked about being a blessing to others. E, for eating together with others. L, for listening to the Spirit. The other L, which is um, learning about Jesus. And now we're to the S, so the last letter. And that one is sent. So Michael Frost says, the final habit is to begin identifying yourself as a missionary, as a sent one. Do you see yourself as a missionary? What's your image of a missionary? Um, today, we're, I'm going to talk to you about seeing yourself as a missionary. And then next week, um, Bill's going to be talking more about like, ways that, um, how, to, how to reflect on yourself as a missionary. But um, how do we begin to see ourselves as missionaries? Actually, before that, I'll just start with a tiny little story, um, or information, I guess. My, I actually have missionaries in my family. Um, I grew up, you know, in a, a Christian family, but, like, my grandfather on my mother's side, he was a missionary in Taiwan to the um, aborigines, or aboriginals that live in the mountains, um, and he translated their Bible. So, um, when I think about being a missionary, I don't know what image you have, but I see someone as being someone in, in my family, someone who has a vision for their lives and something that impacts their whole family. Um, but imagine if you were, let's, say, let's think about some of the famous, most famous missionaries. Um, I think of the, the, the 12 uh, apostles. I mean, Jesus sent, you know, he had his 12 apostles. Imagine if you were one of his 12 disciples. Um, would you say that they're pretty... Oh, I'm sorry. So uh, if you were thinking about the 12 di uh, disciples, I mean, there's so much that, you know, we read about them in the Bible. Um, do you think that it would be cool for you to be one of those 12 disciples? If you think that you would be interested in maybe stepping into their lives just for a day, raise your hand if you'd be interested, just see what that was like. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, they have some interesting lives. I uh, actually printed some information here about who were the 12 disciples. And, you know, in this information here, they were saying, it was saying that, you know, these are the 12 men or um, 12 men that turned the world upside down. What was their life like? Let me just kind of briefly go over their briefly going over uh, what, what they did as missionaries and um, what it did for them, or how they ended up, I guess. So here we have Andrew. Andrew's the brother of Peter, um, says that he's the son of Jonas. And he was a fisherman when Jesus originally called him, and he was originally the disciple of John the Baptist. And Andrew, he brought his, his brother Peter to Jesus. And there's uh, three countries that claim him as their, his, uh, their patron saint, Russia, Scotland, and Greece. And he's also preached in Scythia, uh, Greece, and Asia Minor. So he was a missionary uh, there after, uh, you know, the Lord um, ascended. So Andrew was really good at introducing people to Jesus. Um, according to tradition, it was in uh, Greece, in the town of uh, Petra, that uh, Andrew died as a martyr. He, uh, the governor, 
APS's wife was healed, and she became a Christian. And then shortly after that, um, the governor's brother became a Christian. And so the governor was super mad, and he arrested Andrew, and he condemned to him to die on the cross. And Andrew, he felt like he wasn't worthy to be crucified on the same shaped cross as his master, and so he begged that it would be different. And so he was crucified on an X-shaped cross, which is called the St. Andrew's Cross. Bartholomew, he's also known as Nathaniel, and he was a missionary to Armenia. Um, so tradition says that he was a great searcher of scripture. He was a scholar in the law and prophets. And the uh, Armenian church claims him as their founder. Um, he, it says that he was actually converted the king of Armenia, who was Polymius, Polymius to Christianity. And then his, the... Polymius's brother ordered him to be executed. And so uh, tradition says that he was flayed alive with knives and then cru crucified upside down. I wasn't sure what flayed means, so I looked it up, and it means to be skinned alive. And James the Elder, he was son of Zebedee and Salome, brother of John the Apostle. So um, you, his name never appears um, apart from his brother John. Oh, it's James and John. This was James the Elder. There was two, two James. So he was the one that was um, a fisherman, brother of John. He preached in Jerusalem and Judea, and he was beheaded by Herod in AD 44. James the Younger, so little James, little Jimmy. He's son of Alphaeus, brother of the apostle Jude. So you have two brothers there, two brothers here. James uh, wrote the epistle of James, and he preached in Palestine, Egypt, and he was crucified in Egypt. And some pe people say that he's also the brother of uh, Matthew. So um, let's see. So the tradition says that he, was, he died as a martyr, and his body was sawed in pieces. Uh, Jude. So Jude, son of Alphaeus, brother of James the Younger. And he preached in Assyria, Persia, and he died as a martyr in Persia. Um, people also call him a zealot because he was part of that group that was very nationalistic. Um, and when he started following the Lord, and Jesus became the one that he was um, following um, and the one that he was, gave his life for. So he preached um, the gospel in Odessia, near the Euphrates River, there was a lot of people that were healed and many that believed. Um, he was killed with arrows. Matthew, Levi, son of Alphaeus, the tax collector, he wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He died in, as a martyr in Ethiopia. Um, unlike the other fishermen, he actually you know, knew how to use the pen, so that, that's why he was able to write the, um, the Gospel of Matthew. Peter, Simon Peter, son of Jonas, a fisherman. Uh, he was a missionary that worked among the Jews. He went as far as Babylon. He authored two New Testament epistles that have his name on it, Peter. Um, he was married. He was a Galilean. He was one of the leaders in the group, and he kind of was like the spokesperson for the apostles. He, he was martyred on a cross. Peter requested that he might be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to die as his Lord had died. Philip. Philip came from the same town, Beth Bethsaida, the same town as Peter and Andrew came. And probably he was a fisherman probably as well. 
Um, Philip was the one that uh, Jesus had said, follow me, and then uh, when Philip met Christ, and then he also immediately went and found Nathaniel and told him, we found him of whom uh, Moses and the prophets wrote. So Nathaniel was skeptic, a skeptical of what, you know, if this was really that guy. And uh, Philip said, come and see. So these are two things about Philip that he was really good at. He uh, had a good approach to skeptics, and he had a simple faith in Christ. And he also had this, that as a missionary instinct. He died by hanging. He was, while he was dying, he requested that his body be wrapped in not linen like the Lord was, but in papyrus because he wasn't worthy to have his dead body treated like the body of Christ. Um, Simon the Zealot, he was also crucified. Thomas, we think of him as Thomas, uh, Doubting Thomas. He's the one that, like, he wasn't sure. He said, well, unless I uh, put my fingers on, you know, his, his nail holes and touch his side, I won't believe that he's alive. Um, he actually, oh, sometimes he was called Judas as well. So his, uh, he labored in Parthia, Persia, and India, and he died in India, near Madras. Um, see, so he was a pessimist, but he was also a man of courage. And when, you know, when Jesus arose, and he's the one that made the greatest confession of faith, my Lord and my God. And so his doubts became faith. He was killed with a spear. The only people of the 12 disciples that were not martyred was John and Judas. And Judas betrayed the Lord. And he was eventually replaced with uh, Matthias, who spread the gospel to, Casp to the shores of Caspian and Cappadocia, and also John, um, who wrote, ooh, let's see, he wrote a lot. He wrote 1st, uh, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation, the Gospel of John. He was banished to the island of Pat Patmos, and it's said that an attempt was made on his life by giving... Um, someone poisoned his drink, but that the Lord spared him and he died of natural causes. But I think that, you know, because he had um, not died as a martyr, he wrote so many um, books in the Bible. But, you know, when we think about how the, how the disciples, the 12 disciples, those that were closest to Jesus, who had experienced the Lord um, and, and done and been with him through all the good things and the bad things that the Lord had gone through. Um, when we think about their willingness to give their lives uh, for the gospel, I mean, you know, sometimes you, you face or you meet people and, and they're telling you that, you know, all religions are basically the same and, um, you know, somebody probably just made up the Bible, whatever. The thing that reminds me of how truthful and how... Um, how real this is, is when we consider their lives, the lives of those who've given their, um, who've given their whole lives to serve the Lord and also uh, to serve him in their death. They believed that the Lord had risen. They believed that he would raise them up. Um, I like this morning when we were singing about, you know, forever God is faithful, forever he is with us. That's what they believed. And when you when you believe the truth of that, you're willing to give anything. So we look at, when we look at their lives, we see the whole message of God, that the kingdom is worth living for and it is worth dying for. And 
When you're thinking about what does it mean to be a missionary, well, to be a missionary requires that you be all in. It's not possible to think about missions without thinking about the cost of missions. Every missionary proclaims with their lives that this mission is worth everything that they have. You know, you even think about one of the greatest uh, apostles, one of the greatest missionaries in the New Testament, Paul. And, you know, wrote the new, a lot of the New Testament mission to Asia Minor, Europe. He was beheaded. And one of the greatest missionaries, Jesus. I mean, he's a missionary from heaven, sent to earth, and he gave his life. So who, what kind of a person would be willing to put their lives on the line and to risk everything for this mission? And, you know, and the thing is that when Jesus resurrected, his resurrection proved that his words and the truth that he was um, speaking was, the words that he was speaking was true. Um, you know, the, the kind of people that would be willing to put their lives on the line believe that Jesus is worth it, that he is the pearl of great price. They're willing to sell everything that they have in order to buy that, that jewel. And, and missions is choosing, choosing Jesus above all. So let's look um, in Luke 14, verse, starting at verse 25. And when we're considering uh, understanding the cost of being a mission, a missionary. Luke 14, 25, uh, starting at. Large crowds were following with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even his very life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Wouldn't he first sit down and consider whether he's able, to, he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he would send a delegation while the other is still a long ways off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Jesus said we needed to count the cost. Did you realize that not everyone can follow Jesus? Not everyone can be his disciple. Why does Jesus say that not everyone can follow him? Because following him means following him all the way, even to the cross. Often people want to come to Jesus, um, and we, like, as a missionary, you want people to come to Jesus, and, you know, the temptation is to make it easy, to make it easy. We want as many people as possible to come to Jesus. Well, a lot of times, unfortunately, the result is that you have a lot of lukewarm Christians who think Jesus is a hobby. I'll pick it up like any other hobby, um, you know, if I have time. You know, if, if I don't have anything else going on, if there's no game on TV, I'll be at church. But the, but the Lord doesn't want, he's not interested in that kind of a disciple. He's interested in the kind of disciples that are going to be all out, all in for him. Um, in Acts 1.8, 
Jesus had said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. David Peach noted that the Greek word used in the New Testament to translate witness is martyr. And this doesn't mean that every follower of Christ will be killed for their faith, but it means that the witness of these early church followers led to their death. And so we use this word today to mean someone who dies for their faith, but this was the word used for the word witness and martyr. And, you know, the mission, the mission across the ages have always involved a high cost. Because if it didn't cost anything, then it wouldn't be worth anything. Um, I have a little video. It's from that website. Um, this website is from a organization called, oops, so many pages, um, I don't know what happened to that, oh, Open Doors, it's from Open Doors, and they actually support the persecuted church um, across the, in the world, and they focus on um, people who are persecuted, or, is it ready, yeah, okay, all right, why don't you go ahead and play that, it's short. Can you imagine these, these rules? I feel very sorry for what, what has happened. Really. How long will this go on for here? I don't know. God alone knows. God alone knows. We have something more important than anything else that makes us stay in the country. Well, that something is the life-given message from the Lord. And we are kind of ambassadors of the Lord. We know that many countries that withdrew their ambassadors, which is bad enough. But if heaven withdrew its ambassador from the country, it's a disaster. Our privilege is not that we are able to leave. Our privilege is that we are able to stay for such a time in the country. And I always say this statement, and I believe it from the bottom of my heart. a lady in Homs area who insisted to stay during this difficult time just to reach out to those families and women who are in need she's risking her life literally every day and she goes from home to home just to you know check on those families and see what they need what they you know da daily problems give them some support uh, buy them just imagine buy them meat and bread and stuff like that so she is a true soldier of christ during this difficult time uh, who dares to go to homes these days i mean it's very risky very very dangerous yet 
She is doing this on daily basis. She goes from home to home and check on children because she's a Sunday school teacher. And she tries to keep the children busy with Bible verses. So she memorizes those Bible verses with them on the phone. And then she goes and visits with them. And they would say it, you know, uh, by heart to her. And she does this on daily basis. She goes and check on her uh, children and women in church. And she's, she doesn't care about, you know, her own life. It's very obvious that the Lord is doing something uh, amazing. Many people are coming to the Lord and uh, many people say, we, we thank God, although we, we lost everything, but we still, uh, we, we want our souls or we want Christ in our lives. And the Lord is working and actually the church have a vision. There is a very obvious vision that this is the time for the church. This is the day for the church. I believe the Lord has been preparing the church for this day. So we, we feel very strongly that this is uh, our time. When you choose to be a missionary, you're not choosing the easy way. You're choosing the hard way. Missions is about choosing to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel. Jesus says so much about persecution. A, a lot of times we don't hear about it very much in our churches. And perhaps that's not giving us an accurate picture of their faith. I have a, another video uh, that one's shorter than this one. Um, is it? Is that one ready? Yeah. Okay. Persecution is like your world. upside down where in the blink of an eye liberty becomes captivity justice discrimination pews become prisons but these are not two separate worlds there's and ours. For there's only one church, one body, one family, and one story. The full story of the persecuted church. Open Doors knows that story. Join our world, the world of the persecuted church.
sorry, that was the wrong video, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so, the video that I wanted to show you was uh, kind of giving more statistics on, uh, you know, what's going on with the persecuted church around the world, um, churches that are being destroyed, uh, people who are imprisoned and who have been killed. I mean, you know, we all see it on the news, ISIS, um, you know, but one of the highest, uh, one of the places in the world that has the most persecution against Christian, does anybody know what that one is? North Korea. It's one of the most oppressive uh, countries in the world. A lot, of, a lot of the other countries are in the Middle East, but yeah, North Korea is one of the worst. Persecution results in believers that have a genuine faith because you can't be a halfway Christian in those countries. I mean, if you're choosing to, to follow Christ, you're choosing the path of the cross. Matthew 13, 20. Jesus had a parable here about that. Actually, this parable here, he's talking about what happens uh, when the word... Uh, affects someone's life. It says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling on the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. That, a lot of times, is what we face here in this country. Um, you know, and what we sometimes have to struggle a lot with in our faith is not allowing um, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth to choke out the word. But when you see yourself as a missionary, the word needs to take root in your life such as, in such a way that these um, are secondary to what the mission is. You know, and perhaps you, I mean, it's, there is a spiritual uh, reality that makes uh, the cross an offense to people. Um, that's why Jesus is divisive. Uh, the kingdom of God is pushing back against darkness, but the darkness will push back. And that's why people don't use Buddha or Muhammad's name as a curse word. Satan is working against, um, against the kingdom of God. He's not afraid, because, but he knows that the name of Jesus is powerful. And so he wants to twist that and change that. Um, to be a missionary, you're part of God's army. And that requires fighting the spiritual forces of darkness. And you need to learn spiritual warfare. And when you're in the military, and this is funny, because I'm applying to be a chaplain for the Air Force. And, you know, I'm in the process of applying for it. It's like an 8 to 12-month process. And um, one of my best friends, you know, she told me about the Air Force and how great that was. So I was, because her brother and her dad were both in it. So I, that's kind of part of what made me start considering the Air Force. And so now that I'm in the application process, she texts me and she's like, oh, you know, did you realize that you might have to go to a uh, war zone um, 
Not sure if he had considered that. And she's like, I'm really worried about you. You know, and that's the thing. It's like maybe you hadn't considered that following Jesus meant following him all the way. But, you know, the mission is a dangerous one. And it cost Jesus his life. And it cost many believers their lives. And it will cost you yours. How many, raise your hand if you have ever felt uncomfortable sharing about Jesus. Okay, in that way, you're feeling that, that pressure, that pressure, that fighting between the darkness and the kingdom of God. How many, raise your hand if any of you have ever been hurt or betrayed by family or friends because of your faith. Raise your hands if you ever lost any relationships because of your faith. How many of you have been arrested for your faith? Have you been beaten or tortured? Had your nails ripped out or parts of your body damaged? This is what a lot of our brothers and sisters in the world are experiencing. Matthew 10, 16. Starting 16 until 25, Matthew 10. And here is the word send. Send, just like our bells. Jesus said, I am sending you. Sending you out like sheep among wolves. And what do wolves do to sheep? Yeah. (laughs) Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. And on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Don't give up. Carry the, carry the gospel to the other cities. Truth, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. And in this case, they're referring to the resurrection. The student is, is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants to be like their masters. Who is your master? Who is your teacher? If you're not above your teacher and if you're not above your master, then you're following him in the path of the cross. If you want to be like Jesus and you're following him, it's going to cost you. And if you're not experiencing persecution or suffering for the gospel, consider whether or not you're really following Jesus all the way. If Satan doesn't think that you're a threat, he's not going to mess with you. If you thought that missions was meant to be a nice trip, let's go to some other country. Everybody's going to love me. I'm going to love them. It'll be fun. It'll be great. Well, then you're not seeing the whole picture. Matthew 10:32 to 34 says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. 
Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. The kingdom of God is pushing back against the darkness. There are casualties. But here's the good news. We know how the story ends. Earlier we were singing about, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We're singing it in the throne room of God. And in the throne room, when we see what this whole thing is about, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We see that the Lord, it's all about him. That's what history is all about. Revelations 12, 10 to 11. John's vision of heaven. Then I heard in a loud voice in heaven saying, Now come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They triumph over him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. If we know the ending, there is no fear of the temporary troubles that we face. We know that we've won the victory. And here on, that, on verse 11, it says, We won, we triumphed over Satan by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has already done that. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The, the truth that you speak from your lips. The word of their testimonies, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So the truth of God's spoken by someone who is courageous, not afraid. We win through Jesus' sacrifice and our witnesses and our self-sacrifice. Mission is going to cost you everything, everything in this world. But we know that there is more to life than this world and that we are here temporarily for a mission. Are you willing to take on this dangerous mission and to boldly proclaim his name? Are you willing to lose everything and to realize that you have the most precious thing of all and that Jesus is all you need? Are you willing to go there for Jesus? Are you willing to lay it all down and say, Jesus, I want you more than all of these? Be missional means laying it all down for the sake of Jesus because he's worth more than all the world. Um, could I have the musicians come up? Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his very own life, such a person cannot be my disciples. Can we all close our eyes? I'm going to just challenge you for a moment here. Let's close our eyes and no one looking around. I want you to use your imagination. Just like the Nazis have marked the property of the Jews, Christian homes in Mosul have been marked with this red symbol 
It's the letter in Arabic, N for Nasara, an early Islamic term for Christians. Put yourself in that situation. ISIS had put that mark on your home. He put that mark on this building. And you either convert to Islam and pay an exorbitant tax or face the sword. Imagine yourself as a Christian that we're here living in Mosul and that we're in Mosul worshiping together when suddenly the doors burst open and ISIS fighters line up, line you up. And the fighters are telling you to convert, convert. Turn your back on the Lord. You, if you don't convert, they're going to kill you and take your family. Jesus said, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. The cross is not a decoration. It's an instrument of torture and death. Are you willing to follow Jesus all the way? Will you say yes to Jesus? Is he worth everything to you? Is he worth dying for? Is he worth living for? Are you all in? If you will say yes to Jesus, I challenge you to stand up right now, right where you are. You might have to stand alone. But you're declaring that nothing is worth more to me than Jesus. You're saying, I want Jesus. If you stand up, you choose Jesus. Jesus how much he is worth to you Lord you are worth to me more than all the world Jesus make my life count make my life count take my life let it be used for your glory God I don't want to live this life having wasted it on the things of this world use it for your glory Lord
adore you. We love you, Jesus. Help us to love you this week. Help us to face life in boldness, with courage. God, we are objects of your mercy. Lord, thank you, God, for your sacrifice for us. Lord, we are willing to seek you. We are willing to be all in. Help us to live that out this week. God bless you this week as you seek to serve him.